Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me today is... Mark. Jason. Matt. I am Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. Andrew's back. That is fucking right. We are at full capacity today, boy. It's what? The Matrix was the last time we had... Everyone. Everyone here, so... Wow. Packed to the damn gills. It wasn't Sad Dad Brad? No. That was no. before The Matrix. Yeah. That was before. Okay. Got yeah. It. In fact, I think it was the episode before it. Got it. <clears throat> so, we have a super large cast for you today, and today we are talking about Ghost in the Shell. However, before we get into that, I'm going to throw it over to young Ben over there. Put on your little spinner For hat. the news. <laughs> All right. I uh, got quite a bit for you guys today. Industry. <laughs> the modern businessman. The, the stocks are high. Um... So, sci-fi YouTube channel Dust has unveiled the trailer for their new film, Sea Fever. The independent Irish movie is about a marine biology student on a boat that is overrun by a new jellyfish-like organism. Sea Fever comes out April 7th in theaters and on video on demand, and we'll be covering it the week after. You can catch the trailer on our Facebook page. Cool, cool. Have you guys seen that? The trailer? No. Yeah, I did. I think it looks great. Looks neat. I'm excited to, to watch it. I'm excited to support some indie indie film. Is it like a creature feature sort of film? Or yeah, it, it seems to be. Um, but I think it's less like an individual creature and more like I think they're being attacked by a bunch of them. I'm not really sure. It's, it, it's it, a very vague it, kind it, of film. It seems like it's going to be like a viral infection type of thing. It, they said I think it's heavily inspired by like the thing or the abyss like a combination of that like it's really fucking weird oh okay mm-hmm. uh, Jason it's up your alley You'll I was gonna it. say those two uh, movies are definitely up my alley so so AMC has ordered a new animated sci-fi drama series from Craig Silverstein called Pantheon it has been greenlit for two eight episode seasons already mm-hmm. and it's based on a series of short stories by Ken Liu about human consciousness being uploaded to the quote unquote cloud I don't know why they quoted that uh, Titmouse is set to attach the animates, animated series, and there is no release date as of yet. Uh, what is Titmouse? Uh, currently, they're doing the Critical Role series. That's right. That's where so which okay. I'm really excited about. Yep. They're a really great animation I, studio. They sounded super familiar. I think they did like Gravity Falls too and stuff like that. So like they're they're kind of prolific. I thought they did some like right OG um, Adult Swim stuff too. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. I, that's I think where I recognize that might that. be. Maybe I'm wrong about Gravity Falls, but they 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 do all sorts of really good stuff. I heard I heard they like hired people like a ton of people just because of the critical world production. Yeah, they did. They brought a whole bunch of new jobs to the studio. <clears throat> That's cool. Um, we are sad to report that Max von Sydow, the actor known for his roles in The Exorcist, The Seventh Seal, and Flash Gordon, which we need to cover, mm-hmm. died this week at the age of 90. Uh, von Sydow was nominated for two Oscars through his career, one for Best Actor, one for Best Supporting Actor. On playing Ming the Merciless in Flash Gordon, von Sydow once said, I really enjoyed that film. I grew up reading Flash Gordon, so it was sort of nostalgic for me. Um, you will be missed trying to remember he was in the force awakens right yes he, he was, was also, yeah, okay. he was in skyrim as well yeah he's in all sorts of stuff yeah he was to me he was almost kind of like another christopher lee like he, he was in pretty much everything in some way shape or form he was also in another sci-fi film and now i'm blanking on it entirely uh minority report yeah yeah i was getting minority report in a long time it's a good flag. Flag. they didn't really did they ever touch on why he had the piece of the map no. Maybe in the comics. He was Luke Skywalker's best friend from the Jedi Academy. I think I'm, he was. Yeah. Oh, sure, okay. I believe it. Um, <laughs> I watch a lot of Star Wars lore videos. Bad news for sci-fi fans. Alex Garland, director of Ex Machina, Annihilation, and the new FX on Hulu series Devs, has said his next project will not be sci-fi. Oh. But he does want to use the Devs cast for it. He says, quote, I've written the first episode and I'm working on the second episode to IndieWire. Uh, I have no idea whether FX still whether FX will want to make it. And I don't know if the cast will want to do the parts I've written for them. So it's all completely speculative. It's really about civil disobedience. It's not science fiction. It's essentially apolitical. And we'll be covering his new series, Devs, on our podcast next month. I'll save any commentary on him then. Till then. Okay. And 
uh, this was finally, but there's actually some breaking news that came in just as we were coming in. But uh, Netflix has announced a third and final season for their sci-fi reboot of Lost in Space. Hmm. But even though the Robinsons' journey may be coming to an end, showrunner Zach Estrin will be staying with Netflix, having signed a multi-year deal to produce more exclusive content. Estrin says this was the this was always supposed to be a trilogy with a clear beginning, middle, and end. So we haven't covered Lost in Space, but uh, we're gonna have to when it comes when it's expected. Yeah, I, that's when watching it. Well, Matt, you're the only one that's kept up with it, right? Well, I didn't finish second season. Oh, okay. All right. On purpose or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't right. I can't wait to watch it. And finally, Disney Plus has committed the ultimate cardinal sin. Uh, turns out, the Hollywood Reporter reports that Disney had been developing a Tron sequel series for Disney Plus, and they canceled it mm. just now. So it was it was being <laughs> showrun by the screenwriter of Twelve Years a Slave, John Ridley. And he was he was the showrunner for that, and he was working on development quietly, and they weren't planning on making an announcement yet, and no announcement had ever been officially made before it was canceled but now that it's canceled it's kind of leaking out that it was canceled mm. so it's a damn shame yeah. maybe they're testing I, the waters to see if there's a big enough uh well i, just, I mean nerdist it. points out that muppets um that disney plus had a muppet series that they were developing and then canceled but disney is still developing other muppet stuff so it's very possible that there could still be more tron stuff mm. going on they just haven't that we don't know about it, yeah. but this was very canceled. excited for the Tron Muppets movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my yeah. God! I never knew I wanted that so bad. <laughs> it's, it's been a while now. I think like when did uh, Tron Legacy come out? That was probably yeah, our 2008. I never saw it, but I really enjoyed Maybe. that movie. It's incredible. And I was yeah. really kind of hoping that that would kind of kickstart that franchise again. Yeah. I thought the performances were good. Like I love the aesthetic of it. The music but was Daft awesome. Punk. Punk. But don't you ever worry that? I guess now I'm super worried about franchise fatigue in which like Tron came out and it was really good that if they were to keep putting out Tron movies it would just get stale and we would get bored of well, it. Well it almost think, uh, like Star yeah. Wars that happened. I think like, Tron Legacy was better than the first one. Oh without a doubt. So I mean bring on some more for now. Not but there's fatigued. also a big enough amount of time in between that. Yeah and that was going to be my point. I feel like you know it was probably damn near 10 years ago now that that movie came out so you know if they do a movie every 10 years i don't think you're really gonna get burned out on especially if it's a good enough movie to warrant it i think the change of pace to you know a different medium would be interesting too mm-hmm. yeah a series would have been nice mm-hmm. anyway that's it for the news for more of all the latest and greatest news follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash sci-fi cross sections and on twitter at sf cross sections back to you colin cool 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 so thank you ben um yeah, Ghost in the Shell, which we are here for. The first um, official Miller March uh, movie. Back to the In March. Was. But in, in March. March. In March. The other two were in Oh, we're in February. March now, actually. Yeah. We in it. Um, <clears throat> directed by Mamoru Oshii and written by Katsunori Ito. Um, I looked up both of the stuff they did, just heavy in the anime sector. Why? Did, didn't really branch off into other things. Um, no. Anime uh, voice to an anime. But it is based off, uh, Ghost in the Shell is based off the uh, manga of the same name. Came out in 1995. Uh, this had a budget of $10 million. God, I mean. These are some big boy dude, movies. Yeah. Same thing like we talked about with Akira. I, I love to see these anime movies with a big budget because I just feel like the caliber is so yeah. It shows. So yeah, much well, yeah, I am not kidding when I say anime is like a chief export of japan uh, it's huge this was also one even of, back in 96 uh, this, on the production side this was also one of the like those early anime or animated movies that also blended in with like computer generated images so hmm. and visual like visual effects that. like that so yeah i mean it was pretty seamless though i thought it looked looked great Gorgeous um, for sure uh 10 million and the box office was 43 million so uh, it's pretty modest. I think that's a good sum of money. It quadrupled its budget. Yeah, yeah. very. Yeah. yeah, it's very. Yeah. For the for the time that it Was came that out. Globally? Oh, that's a good. Yeah, point. that's yeah, that's okay. For the time it came out, I'm not surprised. 
I mean, yeah. you also have to remember ticket sales back then. That probably doesn't oh, factor in inflation. True. <laughs> and this movie right. also is what really brought Ghost in the Shell to a world audience and started a franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They got they were several movies and uh, an animated series with two seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the manga was very popular in Japan, but it didn't really spread much. It was the movie that caught it on, if I remember correctly. So I guess you could say it was a major success. Ooh. Major. Damn. Yeah, so going into this movie, um, I've been hearing for well over a decade, people just tell me how good Ghost of the Show is. Got to watch Ghost in the Show. They're making this live-action movie. I don't watch that. That movie sucks. Go watch you know, the actual Ghost in the Show, and I never had the desire to see it. And to be honest, until um, it was put on the schedule for this podcast, I never had the desire to see it. And I could honestly say, I'm glad I watched it. Um, I just have this feeling like it, it raised such a high expectation for me because so many people recommended it. But um, <clears throat> how did it compare to Akira for you? I think it looked better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that the script or writing or characters were as good. I think that I you know honestly my personal opinion is that it isn't a fantastic movie, but it is excellent sci-fi. I love it as a oh, sci-fi well, property, but there you go. Bill's done for the day. All right, so I have so much I want to get into. Can I just synopsize really quick? Yes, synopsize, oh, yeah. that. please. Let's do that. So we can we're, begin we're the about cast. to fight. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ben. Please give us a synopsis before we get into this. In the year 2029, cyborgs walk among humans and people can connect to the internet with their brain. Major Kusanagi, one such cyborg and super cop for the government, launches an investigation with her partner Bato in the mysterious pu- into the mysterious puppet master, a hacker who has been hacking the brains of important government officials. That was a good synopsis. Thank you, Ben. It's about as 90s <laughs> as I could get. Like this movie in a world. So, how do you feel about it, Ben? Oh, so glad someone finally asked me. I don't get it. This is a classic. This is what people like. Because I would much rather watch the ScarJo version. Um, did you watch that? Ever? No. Oh no, I wish I did. Like this was just like the concepts were very cool. With Bill, I agree in that like the sci-fi concepts behind it were very cool and like fun to watch. And I, w- the action was really fun. Like when the action was on screen, I opened my eyes. But when they were going through awful exposition dumps, I was just like, nope, I, I was, I wasn't even on purpose. I was just dozing out. It was so boring. And the voice acting, I, I, I couldn't find the sub. I'm sorry, I couldn't find the sub. So I watched the dub. It was the most abysmal thing I've ever watched in my entire life, as far as acting goes. There was it no was, emotion. Oh, it, it was, was awful. Was no emotion like, from the robots. Interesting. Yeah, I <laughs> thought that was no, purposeful. From oh, there were there were certain characters that were fine, but I feel like it was very particular which characters. Uh, well, outside of the main cast, maybe that was more hit and miss. But in the main cast, at least, I felt it was very purposeful which characters had kind of a uh, more robotic, you know. There's something I've wanted to ask ever since I started. Why did you transfer a guy like me from the police force? Because we need a guy like you. Huh? Number one, you're an honest cop. Number two, you've never stepped out of line. Three, you're a family man. And except for the slight brain augmentation, your body's almost completely human. If we all reacted the same way, we'd be predictable, and there's always more than one way to view a situation. What's true for the group is also true for the individual. It's simple. Over-specialize, and you breed in weakness. It's slow death. To be honest, it did sound like whoever was directing the English um, dub went in the room, set them up with a microphone, gave them the script, and then, like, said, I'll be back. Just do the best you can. And walked out to go buy a pack of smokes. And on the way back, stopped at the bar for a few hours. <laughs> Came back and said, oh, you're done. Great. Switched everything off and said, thank you. Your check will be in the mail. Well, 90s voice acting. Well, Brian Cranston got in there. Did Tell that, that to Mark Hamill. Yeah, ben. he's in there somewhere. Um, yeah, I did, see, I did see Brian Cranston. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, he's in all yeah. sorts of shit. It's so weird. <laughs> I agree. You can't be, like, a blanket excuse. But I feel like at least, at least with um, <clears throat> Kusanagi... Like, I feel like that was... And Bato, to a lesser degree. 
I, I thought he was Bato's one of the an more... actually good voice actor, and he's yeah. the same. Yeah, Bato's actually like one of the guys from Ghost in the Shell, the uh, anime standalone complex. Yeah. He was but, fine, but I just yeah, I thought like he was he, better. He, like he was speaking kind of void of emotion at times too, and mm-hmm. I feel like that was part of that direction. Just first voice the, acting, acting gig, maybe I don't know. Yeah, okay, I was say maybe Kusanagi just took it a little too seriously when they said you're a robot, like. Yeah, because now I'm confused, and <laughs> I think right. I didn't understand the movie at all. She's not a robot. She's a human she in, a, in a robot Is body. She? Yeah, <clears throat> just a brain, really. Right. Uh, like, but she also questions that herself, especially after the mind hacking. Mm-hmm. She was there's a whole scene where they're having dialogue about. She's like, "Am I real though? Yeah, Is all that created in the brain matter in your skull?" Sure, I get the <laughs> philosophical discussion. I'm sure we're very much going to get into all of that as much as I can. I fell asleep at the end. It was really boring. Um, but I'm talking about just essentially she is a she was a human she was in an accident and they built a body for her correct isn't that what her backstory yeah. I, that's what I looked up yeah. at least yeah that's because I needed to because the exposition dump a lot of things but they don't talk about characters at all like it's oh uh, <clears throat> before we get too far Miller you referenced Otsuka right um we watched the English version mm-hmm he didn't do the voice in the English version. It was a different actor. Yeah. So oh, that's where we're saying. Did you watch the it English? Sub? The sub. No, I watched sub. it with uh, Mark and Colin. We watched Ooh. it uh, sub. Dubbed. Dubbed. Oh, dubbed. Sorry. That's sub- I couldn't sub-title. find the sub, guys. I looked for it. I, that's yeah, I, I prefer. Yeah, that's what I meant. Did you go to Subway? I mean, um, yes. I got a spicy Italian. Uh, but your first mistake. Yeah, they, they didn't have a copy either. So I'm a firm believer in watching anything in its native language. Yes, dubs yeah. are trash in just about every way. I mean, it's the same thing if you were to watch something in English, something American with like Spanish dub. Like it's it's not good. You Normally, to... I agree with that, but <clears throat> Dragon Ball Z was always kind of fun. I don't think it was any worse. And if I ever wanted to take that, they take that journey. I would still watch it sub. Because no, Goku's voice actress is objectively not good. And Goku's <laughs> yeah. voice actor <laughs> in in subbed or dubbed in, in the original, the original language. Okay. So in subbed, then fight me, anime nerd. So it should stand. <laughs> yeah, you weebs. <laughs> at me. me, meet me at Asen. <clears throat> High noon. Saturday. I don't have a Twitter, but at me. <laughs> I do have Twitter. At robot organ donor. Oh shit. Laying it down. <laughs> Jesus. <a> okay. That's <laughs> All right. Plug. Sorry. I didn't mean, Ben, I didn't mean to cut one. you off before. No, it's uh, fine. I mean, like, I don't really have, like, a point. Like, I, like I said, like, this, it was tough to keep my attention throughout this. So I didn't really, like, I kind of got the gist of what was going on and I, I got the grasp of the story and the whole puppet master thing. And it wasn't a human, it was just a program that had gained sentience, but it wasn't an AI. And, I don't know. It sounded like it sounded like some dude was trying to think. He he wrote this script thinking he was really smart, and he he had '90s technology to work with. So, so as far as the exposition dumps, when you were saying like not the characters, I feel that's one of the things I actually kind of like about the movie. Anything that they really talk at length about, where they have to dump a lot of information, it's more about it's relevant to what they're dealing with, and it's not really about like. They're not going into crazy amount of detail about all the characters or the world that they're in. They more just talk a lot about what they need to to continue the story in a in a way that almost makes it feel episodic, like it's a piece of a larger story. Yeah, but it's you know realistically a fully finished piece. Like <clears throat> I, I really like that about the movie, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, a couple things to that. Number one. I get what you're saying, but I don't think it was done well. I like if you're if you want to look at an example of delivering exposition exposition dumps when it's necessary and good. Look at the last time we were all here together, which was the Matrix. Like the way they handle exposition dumps is very good in the Matrix, and it's it's all very well written. It's interesting, and the scenes are interesting. You want to pay attention because you're invested because there's something going on in it. Whereas in Ghost in the Shell, every time they exposition dump, they were sitting somewhere. It was just so boring to watch. You know, it was just 
Like, do something. Like, I don't care if they're shouting exposition while she's shooting at something. Like, that was the best part of the movie was was the, the action and, and the cool effects. Like, I was like, wow, like, it's crazy that they were doing this in the 90s. But everything else was just a slog. Funny you mentioned The Matrix. Uh, the Wachowskis have uh, referenced this as one of their biggest ins- inspirations oh, of for course. The Matrix. Yeah, as that. has James Cameron for Avatar. It may also makes sense. Um, uh, Jason, do you have something you want to add? Yeah, so I think what I want to reference here would be, I think it's interesting that for me personally, we watched this film after Akira because I don't think I can talk about Ghost in the Shell without referencing Akira because, Uh well, no, (laughs) because I'm not, as you guys know, I'm not an anime boy. So I've only seen kind of the, you know, the popular stuff, even though I guess this is the popular stuff too. I've only really seen kind of like the real mainstream stuff that I had access to when I watched it on Adult Swim or I rented it at the video store or whatever. So um, it was interesting that in the few week span here, I saw two, I, I think, Correct me if I'm wrong. What are heralded as kind of like the classics, right? Or some of the classics yeah. mm-hmm. in terms of sci-fi? Yes. Yeah, like sci-fi anime. Um, but it was interesting because there's like such a dichotomy between the two films. I feel like in a lot of ways they're almost they're kind of like mirror images of one another. What I mean by that is, Akira was very much driven by the characters and you didn't really get a lot of that exposition dump and you didn't really get a lot of that like uh, bullet pointed sort of. Uh, this is what's going on. This is the philosophical theme we're touching on. This is, you know, whereas it was the exact opposite, at least my interpretation of it in Ghost in the Shell, like you, you got a lot of that. The storytelling I felt in Ghost in the Shell was much more environmental. You know, there are scenes where I think they show like the one where um, I think our uh, main character, the major was on like a boat and she's going through whatever that city is. And just like the length of time they spend on buildings and signs and you know people uh i I think there's that one person i think they kind of allude to it being a person that was like identical to her so whether that was a model for her shell or whatever it was you know like that's kind of to me where the meat of a lot of visually what they're trying to do kind of lies so i appreciated and kind of enjoyed like the time they spent on those scenes and kind of like the world building aspects of it i thought that was something it did a little bit better than Akira, but I thought that Akira was able to tell a story that it didn't rely on those info dumps and didn't rely on just all that exposition in one go. It was very kind of balanced, I think, throughout the runtime. And Akira was a longer film than Ghost in the Shell was. Uh, so that was kind of interesting to me. Um, so that was kind of the, the first thing I guess I wanted to bring up. There's tons of other kind of philosophizing stuff we can discuss, but I thought just as my kind of looking at those two classics back to back i mean there's a marked difference it's not like you could you can see the influence of one on the other but i really couldn't say that they were the same necessarily or cut from the same cloth hmm. what you guys think i i agree and actually kind of bouncing off of your point and marks what i have always loved about this movie is that it doesn't really tell the story of some like big crazy thing as much as it gives you like this weird snapshot of that world I mean like a quarter of the movie was just them panning around the city and giving you like a feel of what it's like there you're just seeing it through the eyes of these people and like what their life is everybody seems to just be going about their days but also they're questioning what is humanity on a regular basis because they've gone so far so I, I think that kind of also hits on like I think part of why you don't like it is because it doesn't tell a full story but in Mark's what Mark was saying it makes it feel like it's just this little slice of something much bigger and we're only getting this tiny bit yeah I gotta tell you that sounds like some art house bullshit <laughs> that's what that's what they, um, okay. um I get it like to to the other point that I forgot to mention with Mark with what Mark said is that it felt episodic it did feel episodic in that the story wasn't complete and I was very frustrated by that by the end it just kind of ended and I was like what the fuck I get what you're saying I do um I guess if you're into that you're into that and great um, for me, I, I really, 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 I'm like really actually interested in watching the ScarJo version now because I know at least Hollywood understands plot structure 
and could actually deliver a plot that I would probably enjoy more than just this Do kind of understand plot structure. You know, you say that for the most part. You say that, but I recently watched. Did you Hall watch Valerian? <laughs> I recently. Fair watched enough. Your point is made, but I, I just wanted to say that, like, like the five-minute pans, while very nice and very pretty. To me, I, I you you said something about like they saw a model of of, of the major and mm -hmm. like I didn't I missed that I was I was probably looking at my phone I'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> she was in the window of a cafe oh I I missed that entirely was that like the importance to those five minute pans then because like I was really I think it was one of them at least <laughs> at, yeah at least in, at, like it got to the point where I was just like okay I'm gonna go get some some ice cream or something I'll be right back and like I just left because I was like I I respect that in cinema i respect that in cinematography because there's an actual that's not that's not fair to say either i'm not trying to diminish the effect or the the amount of talent it takes to draw something i'm not it's beautiful it looked very good but that's not what i watch movies for that's what i look at art for and like 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 paintings and and, and things like that that's to me i have a separate area so when i get long sweeping pans of things in live action that's the talent there that's the the use of the camera the use of lighting the use of post post uh, post production etc that's what interests me in live action but when they're doing it in in animated it just feels like not the right medium for it weird i was <clears throat> i was going to talk about characters cuz i think you made a really good point is that like the character development was really kind of non-existent in a way is that they were kind of if you really look at it in an objective way the characters were kind of flat they weren't really that dynamic um you know they kind of hinted at questioning their own reality and developing in that way like with the major um but in general those were things that were already in place you know what i mean they didn't develop from the actions of the story so they weren't formed by the story the story was formed by them which means that they didn't develop as characters which is what you really want out of a story like the hero's journey is a transformative you know event and how you know a story you know presents itself as a conflict and resolution usually from that from conflict to resolution there's some sort of transformation that happens there and that just was lacking in this which you know you could say it's a literal transformation because of the consciousness that was fused together which is more of like a technical thing it's not really uh, informed by the story so that i completely get that and why you would be bored if you you know because storytelling is all about characters right. and so if you have a the whole character needs to experience a change exactly. regardless of whether it's a hero's journey or not exactly you know you're right in every story it should be some sort of character growth growth it should be some that's what makes it interesting and that's an aspect when we're talking about world building i love the world building that happens in this and Definitely. the fact that it gets you into that and immersed in that but when but the characters that actually inhabit the world aren't telling a very good story and it's like we said with exposition dump as a as a consequence of the cybernetic speaking within their heads or whatever so you literally get a voiceover for half the movie so half the movie is a voiceover of people speaking in their heads and it's like i'm just watching people stand around and there's this voiceover happening and it's like that's not i I firmly believe that that was just a device to save money on the budget. <laughs> you but really then do? it makes you wonder what were they using all that money on? Yeah. Uh, buying sweet ass fucking cars? What's wrong Hell with you? Yeah. I, um, I, buying body I, I felt like they did take advantage of those moments in a way. Um, well, for one, I think it allowed you to, to an extent, focus on the world that they were in and not on, you didn't have to stare at them. But they also did maybe I was just reading into it or I don't know I should probably rewatch it again <clears throat> but I felt like they at least some of the characters changed the way they were speaking depending on whether they were communicating you know outwardly or they were communicating through the you know ne neural network or whatever you want to call it I felt like they had different ways that they spoke like it would be more robotic when they were speaking through their network or when they were speaking out loud I thought that was really interesting. Uh, an interesting way to use that uh, dynamic, I guess. 
you know, I don't know if I want to watch Ghost in the Shell anytime soon again, but that actually might be something worth uh, looking into on my next watch through. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I did want to, the other thing I wanted to like watch through again for was at the end after the uh, merging of the like you know their consciousnesses. Um, <clears throat> when she walks out on the and they have, you get that scenic view of the city, I feel like there was a lot more green and blue than you saw in the whole movie. Like you saw water, but it always looked dirty and kind of like uninhabitable. But at the end, it looked, you know, the lake looked really crystal clear, and you saw a lot of trees that I don't remember ever seeing throughout the movie. I thought that was really interesting, and I kind of want to watch it again to see if I just missed some of that, or if that was actually something. There might be something there, for sure. Here's my question, though, since you brought up the end. What's the point? Well, I was good at Oh, It's a movie. We're we're getting towards, like, speaking of what the point of the movie was. No, I mean, what was the point of the ending? What was the theme? What was the thesis of the story? Well, So in that case, is it saying that we are better merged with technology? It's saying that consciousness is a strange and nebulous concept in general. It's not a thesis. We we mentioned, Jason mentioned uh, that there are philosophical um, ideas to this film. So I'm going to bring up to the first one on the agenda, which is transhumanism. Um, I think that was actually a big point of this movie. Sure. Probably probably the central theme, or at least one of them. we, I mean, we have the idea, like you said, she's not a robot, she's a human living in a robot's body. A cyborg. <clears throat> but what... So, I, I think um, when it comes to transhumanism, the, the point you're you're talking about, right, yeah. is that... Central to any cyberpunk at this point, I've come to realize. Right, right, exactly. So, you know, whenever there's transhumanism, it's always a question of what makes us human, right? <laughs> like, every single, you cannot avoid the, the question. And so... When you're talking about the thesis, you know, I don't know. Let me let me think about it. You, you know, one of the hypothesis, you know, that the, the question that's raised throughout the whole film is, um, is consciousness human, or is it something outside of humanity? You know, is that something that we are sole proprietors of? Or is this something that can emerge throughout, you know, as long as there's enough information, can this thing emerge? And I believe that that's the main question of the of the film. And I think they try to answer it as much as they can, is that like humans have uh, hu- humans have emergent consciousness and possibility, you know, a network of information has consciousness and maybe together they can have consciousness together sort of thing. I don't know. I don't know. But that's that's, you know, that's obvious. That's kind of obvious from just watching the film. But, you know, it it asks a lot of questions like I mean, you're not looking at your brain right now. Do you have a brain right now? It's the black box idea, you know? Um, and I could go on and on about that. But I don't know. That was that was what I think the whole film. You, if you boiled it down into one thing, that's what it would be. Well, yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Um, my interpretation of it kind of stemmed from that. So you've got this character who is you know, a consciousness, basically a ghost in a shell. And they don't say a brain, they say a ghost. They keep referring to a ghost. So like the ghost to me is more of a reading of like a spirit. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. You know, it, it's more than just your brain. It's more than just your, you know, it's your, I think they even imply uh, like the people that get like uh, ghost hacked, you know, and humans that get ghost hacked, like they implant memories in you. So it's, it's talking about memories and kind of memes, social mores, you know, different things like that that are kind of programmed into us. So it's a little bit goes a little bit deeper than that, I think. And that was kind of my interpretation, like the major's character. Um, And there was a lot of the conflict there. I think she was feeling like, well, what what actually am I? I mean, that's a very good point. But I think at the same time, they were also questioning. So so we're seeing spirituality through, you know, having sort of like this ghost, the sort of, you know, what makes us human? You know, do we have a soul kind of thing? And, you know. You know, I think the point they were trying to make was you could we could say it's a ghost or we could say it's the result of emergent, you know, a behavior. I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to say it because it's like like I like you said, like 
the ghost in the shell, the human within the shell, it's not just the brain, it's not just the physical, there's this sort of accumulation of, of, uh, of parts that make us what we are, that give us that consciousness. And so it's like, when you have that, but you take out the brain, but you still have the ghost, then what do you have right i mean i think that's kind of what they're getting at too with like the puppet master character um and that's kind of what i almost viewed like at the end when they kind of merge it's almost like you've got two because that's another thing too i've read a lot of really interesting kind of analyses on ghost in the shell and like a, a big kind of focus um that a lot of these analyses take is like sexuality and sex and really like gender in general mm-hmm. um and kind of like a post-gender post-human sort of evolutionary stance i guess or like where things go from where we're seeing you know technology kind of go in our current era here um so like not to really get anywhere with that right now so we have the major character who is you know obviously can't reproduce in physical means right at this point it she basically is just the ghost at this point it's her consciousness we have this other character who is kind of a construct in one way shape or form that kind of challenges what a consciousness is but these two characters end up merging so now they've kind of created a new character so i don't feel like at the end we're seeing the major I don't think we're seeing the major. I don't think we're seeing the puppet master. I think we're seeing, yeah, we're seeing kind of like, you know, this amalgamation of whatever. But if you wanted to take that stance, and I'm not saying that this is what the film was, you know, going for, but my interpretation is this is some new kind of life form. She literally says Mm. that. Well, yeah, she says that I'm not the major nor the puppet master, but he's trying to say that maybe this is a new kind of human or a new kind of sentient. Yeah, that's what I'm getting Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, if it's it's a human mind merged with a inhuman mind, then it would only make sense that they, it is a new life form. Well, so to answer your question then, Ben, and again, so I like this. I didn't think it was you know, an amazing movie by any means. I liked Akira much more, I think, as a film. I enjoyed it much more. But I definitely appreciate this for the ideas and the themes. I mean, it's very, like, very philosophy-heavy, almost to a fault, I think. But I think if you're looking for, like, a central thesis or you're kind of looking for what the movie's getting at, whether it does it effectively or not, I, I can't say. I mean, we all have our opinions on that. But I think that, what we just discussed, that's what it's getting at. Sure, sure. So it's it's... It's neither in support of nor against the ideas that are presented at the end, and and fine, whatever. Okay. Um, I, I did want to say one thing. Shit, now I forget. All right, whatever. So anyway, uh, so monism <laughs> and duism. Duism. <laughs> Ben's leaving. It's just giving you time to drag him under. No, say your thing. No, I don't really have anything. I was just monoism and duoism. <laughs> dualism. Well, okay. So the mon- if you really want to, so monism is that we are. Dualism is the idea that um, the consciousness exists outside of physical means. Um, so that would be like a spirit that lives kind of not within the physical realm controls us like as if it's a something in a vehicle so that's dualism and then monism is the idea that we are our brains and that we are the you know consequence of our brains and so it's like where where are they going with this are they saying that there is the pilot of our body that is the brain or is it that we are one physical being and that when you take the physical being away that we are no longer human you know so it's like would the major already not be human or or is there a spirit or a ghost which is what they say so yeah it's it's an interesting way of interpreting dualism which is originally presented by descartes 200 years ago so he wasn't thinking about anime titties or whatever he was probably <laughs> thinking about let's <laughs> be honest <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that, Bill. You don't know that. Hey, hey, that's put it, that's putting the whores before the Descartes. Um, but uh, <laughs> Jesus. <Christ. laughs> but, but, <laughs> this, this, I didn't think it was gonna go here, but <laughs> here we are. But anyway, so he was talking about you know spirituality. He was talking about the soul and the human body, and whether we take away the human body, is there still a soul? That's that was his idea. But uh, I mean, this is taking it from a different route.
out. So, well, that's what I mean, though. This is almost kind of like a treatise on that. Like right. it's it's a repackaging of those ideas for kind of a, a modern sort of like technocratic generation. Like to me, having gone through you know the philosophy courses in college and everything else like that, and kind of reading up on that. Granted, haven't read up on it in a while, but immediately was drawn back there. I remember, I remember that chapter. I remember reading that. I remember getting into it. So like, to me, it was, okay, this is what this is about. And, you know, again, I did it do it in a way that was visually interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I can totally see why this was an influence on everything. It was an influence on for the, you know, last 20 years, 25 years. But I don't know, just as a, as a piece of storytelling, I thought it kind of relied too heavily on being about an idea and it's like it had one idea that it was firmly about and it took very seriously but that was really it gotcha i don't know yeah and and i I don't i'm grappling with that because i don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing or what my idea is this doesn't need to be the answer i think this was just another stepping stone in the idea of like essentially transhumanism or everything that bill was talking about the I, don't know. I, I think that I no, I think this was like important in some regards, but like there can it can be explored better. Sorry, it's just funny. Yeah. It's like whatever the redheaded guy, God knows what the redhead guy is talking about. <laughs> You're the only person that actually studied. I don't know, like artificial intelligence, and probably had to study all this monoism and Mon- monism, monism and duality. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I'm kidding, bro. Um, damn kids in their discards. Yeah. I'm just a simple man <laughs> with dis- a simple anime. Your discards and your anime titties. I don't know nothing. About I don't that. know anything no. about <laughs> anybody beyond Plato. And that's essentially what I was gonna. That's essentially what I was gonna say Theory before I had forgotten favorite. what I was gonna say, which was all this stuff that you guys are talking about. It sounds like it'd be a really cool movie and that someone should probably make an entertaining movie with this information because somebody did you're right the matrix takes a lot of this stuff um it just was yeah like this is all cool to talk about but the movie itself is just a snore that's all so i think this movie okay so listen ben i think this movie is a lot like it's a lot like Event Horizon. Everybody <laughs> likes Event Horizon. You know what, though? No, wait, 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 wait. I had just thought of this earlier, and then it... No, no, no. Let me finish my point okay, right, ahead, real quick. Ahead, okay. This movie is a, like Event Horizon. Everybody likes Event Horizon, obviously, but we all have our different reasons for liking <laughs> Event Horizon. So... I people I've heard people compare this to the Matrix. They were like, "This is the Matrix before the Matrix," and I'm like, "No, I think I think this is the Event Horizon before Event Horizon." Is really and what everybody's like, "Oh, that's awesome!" You know about Event Horizon? Yeah, what a great film. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, not to put him on the spot here, but since it was the Miller March Madness pick, we haven't really heard much of Miller's thoughts. He's on literally this. just been texting his girlfriend and. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just really kind Patrick. of curious where Miller sits because if <laughs> I'm I sitting remember, right here, if I remember correctly, thank you. That was very literal. If I remember correctly, you said you did not see this right prior. This is not a movie that I had seen um, growing up or ever. Okay. <laughs> so you hadn't seen because I don't want to stereotype you, Miller. I don't want to be that guy that stereotypes Miller. However, I am not a weeb. <laughs> however, if there were whatever two, you say, <laughs> if there were two films that you you know asked, you own a kimono. <laughs> Have you seen his body pillow? He goes to Aeson every year. (laughs) In costume, for fuck's sake. The text message is just... I'm sorry. All right. (laughs) His email is... I'm editing everything else out but me. (laughs) (laughs) So, like... Again, with this film, like if I had not known going into these that you had never seen these, I would have thought you picked these because these were like long, dearly held favorites yeah. that you wanted everyone to see. Yeah. So, and you'll really get that um, later in this month. You will get that. So, um, well, yeah. No, I mean you'll you'll absolutely get that. Um, these like long, like tried and true movies from my past that I really love and 
you know, think are kind of sleeper hits. Um, these two movies were kind of, I wanted to pick a mix of things that it's like, I wanted to see, I had been meaning to watch, but I watch a lot of movies now for the cast. Um, and this kind of was like, it's like, okay, well, I've got my end, you know, I've got my reason to watch Akira, I've got my reason to watch Ghost in the Shell. So what did you think of Ghost in the Shell? I, um, you know what, I, I liked it. Um, the unfortunate thing was that I was like very tired when I was watching it and it's kind of the same maybe mindset as Ben where there's a lot of stuff that's just kind of, it's it's a little bit of a lazy river at times. And so I, I nodded off, I had to watch, uh, I had to rewatch it today. Um, I did like it. Um, it's got some beautiful scenery, but I liked, uh, I like the headiness. I, I love a philosophical, uh, story, which I think this had in spades. I mean, did the matrix do it better? Yes. You know, the idea of controlling, uh, another body from a remote location is a super interesting, uh, kind of, uh, theory. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I don't regret recommending this at all i'm glad i watched it i i remember watching the anime series yeah so ben you might like the series better than you like this movie Maybe. um well you have to watch it for next week you yeah. know that is one thing <laughs> i will say whenever i start talking about it i find myself thinking of things from the series and kind of mm -hmm. like mixing and matching and they fill a lot of of the character gaps they go in depth a lot with each character in the series because they have the time. Mm -hmm. They have more time, yeah. So the movie being that just kind of snapshot is great for me because I also have a lot of that side information to pepper in. So sure. it, that completely slants my view of this. But like Star Wars The Clone Wars is a piece of garbage and it's the worst Star Wars movie to ever exist. But the Clone Wars series is incredible and perfect. But I will tear apart the Clone Wars movie every time it's even brought up. And you do, and you bring it up apropos of nothing. Ben hates saying. The point is that just because the series is good doesn't mean this movie is. No, this the series is trash. a standalone complex. <laughs> <laughs> the series is called Standalone Complex, Jason. Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, so let me ask this then, too. So, in a vacuum, like if you just watched Ghost in the Shell the film we just watched for this cast and you didn't consume any other ghost in the shell media you didn't watch the show there's like i, I know there's like sequel films uh -huh. there's you know manga like does it function as a standalone or does this pick up you know the, the, the next whatever comes after this pickup as she's walking towards the lake or whatever yeah I, mean. I haven't seen any of the other uh, movies or anything like that and the show kind of starts somewhere else it doesn't really follow directly from the movie. Um, if I had seen this completely in a vacuum, didn't know what it was, didn't know what was going on, but you know, maybe it was kind of familiar with anime as a concept or a genre, um, I still think that I would like it for what it did. Um, just kind of seeing it for what it is. It's, it's a, a decent anime movie with a good story that's a little slow at times, you know? This is I, not this is not Akira. You know, we're not uh, in the super motorcycle bike chase constantly, you know, uh, weird body horror kind of stuff that's happening mm -hmm. in that. Fuck. I wish I went on vacation during Ghost in the Shell. Akira sounds cool as shit. Oh shit, you oh, haven't yeah. seen it. No, I don't know. Oh wow. I forgot. At this yeah. point, I don't know if you ever will. Yeah. I was gonna say I couldn't watch it with these guys for the cast. So if you ever want to watch it, I'd be up for it. Well, yeah. so I'd be down to rewatch it. Sounds like it. a much better it's movie. Been, so, been no, it is. You want to review that movie? That's, that's kind of my thing. Like, it is, but it, it's different. You know, it, it's. I feel like it's much more kind of. You can draw a closer line to what we're used to in like Western cinema, as far as like how the plot develops and everything else, versus what we saw in Ghost in the Shell. Mm -hmm. I, so I feel like it's a more complete film in that regard it's still heady and it still has a lot of that kind of philosophical bent to it but not it doesn't bludgeon you over the head with it quite as i feel like forcefully as you get with ghost in the shell um again not that i didn't appreciate ghost in the shell for what it did but i just i, I thought akira was a little more subtle even though some things in akira weren't very subtle but regardless <laughs> that was kind of my take on it yeah real quick i did just want to mention that uh 
the music for this movie I thought mm. was fucking sweet. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was really yeah. good. Yeah, um, thank you for bringing that up too because that was kind of one of the things I wrote down in my notes as I was watching it. The soundtrack was incredible. I think you can't take that away from it at all. It, it, especially those long, like drawn out, like panning moments, mm-hmm. uh, visually panning moments. The music that was accompanying it, I think, is what made it. So, um, uh, I bl- uh, it's Kenji Kawaii is the name. She did it. Uh, I think she also did the other ones too, possibly. Either way, um, yeah, I think from a visual standpoint and from just a, you know the music that they chose and like the way they scored it, I thought it was phenomenal. You really couldn't find it. Absolutely, and honestly, the action. One of the things I don't like about anime is the action scenes suck to me. In this movie, I felt like I was watching what could have been a live action scene, which is like the way that everything was thought out and maybe it was just animated instead of live action. But it, it felt, I don't know, worth watching at that yeah, point. it was really visceral. I mean, it, the movement was really kinetic. Mm-hmm. I thought the way that it was done, you mm-hmm. know, they, they definitely figured out with this kind of how to animate movement in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that, too, we talked about it really early in the cast. We didn't really get into it a lot. But, like, the way it was animated, too, it was, like, a mix of, like, hand-drawn. It was cel-shaded stuff. They used some, you know, real primitive CGI stuff, too. And I thought that was really evident because you had this kind of fluid sort of movement that you really didn't see, even in, like, Akira, for as good as it was. Um, did I say Akira? I mean, Akira. Akira. Sorry, Akira. I apologize. But, no, absolutely. I thought, like, the audiovisual presentation of it was great, regardless of whether it was slow or not or some of the, uh, you know, the story stuff. I thought it, it looked gorgeous, definitely. Mm-hmm. There's such a huge jump from the 80s to like the mid to late 90s in film in general, but especially I think in animated, uh, it definitely shows. There's a big difference between Ghost in a Shell and Akira. So, um, also, it's only what a million more dollars invested between the two films. I thought and they were both 10 million. Was it tell me ten nine, million dollars? Or nine million, million for mm. Akira and 10 million billion yen. Yeah. It's a, it's a billion I think it's yen. a billion yen. Yeah, it is. Was it it? Is oh, that's yen. right. Yeah, yeah it's a billion yen. But I think that's a big enough difference, especially when Akido was like twice as long. So the, the budget was a lot more mm-hmm. uh, focused, I guess you could say. Um, does anyone have anything else they want to add before I make you boys go around this table? All right. I'm going to start with Ben Young. Give me that good sci-fi or bad sci-fi. I don't mean to seem like I'm shitting on the legacy of it because I do respect it for like the influence it's had. And like, I understand that without this movie, we wouldn't have a lot of the sci-fi that I actually do love now. I'm sure that like Denis Villeneuve was heavily inspired by, by this, by Ghost in the Shell with Blade Runner 2049 because it's, it's as heady as Ghost in the Shell is just in a good way. And I think that, like, we definitely wouldn't have The Matrix, of course, and stuff like that. So, like, I'll give it an okay sci-fi because the ideas are there. They just didn't capitalize on anything in an interesting way that kept my attention. Uh, it's, it's a terrible movie. It's a very bad movie, and I wouldn't recommend this. You know, I really want to make you watch Midway. I may, wa- <laughs> I may say to people, if people are like, hey, should I watch Ghost in the Shell? I'd be like... Uh, maybe read the manga because that might be better, or watch the ScarJo version, which might be better. And you know, we'll I, actually, I actually plan to. <laughs> and Ben actually doesn't read, so I read things with pictures. Oh. Yeah, manga. I read That's things true. with pictures. Manga is in his wheelhouse. Okay, although I, I wouldn't a, read that in public. But, is it like a flip book? <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, gentlemen, I am keep because of the size of the cast. I am keeping us at a one minute minimum. I'm done or maximum. Minimum. Sorry. Oh. Matthew. I will say good sci-fi. I think it it raises a lot of questions, makes a lot of suggestions of like possibilities of how a consciousness that arises could still consider itself to be alive. And that's kind of what I took from it. it. Was just more of a it can't be life as we know it, so it's finding a new way to reproduce. 
that, I mean, that's a theme that we, sh- we I don't think we ex- explored enough, but that's my fault. But yeah. I mean, there's also a lot of us and only so much time. Right. All right. So yeah, um, good sci-fi. All right. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. So um, for me, this movie passed the Bill Jarvis litmus test that it asked questions. Um, <laughs> I, I, we call it the Bill test. We, we just call it the Jarvis test at this point. The Jarvis test. I find that I kind of, you know, looking for a lot of the same things that Bill is looking for. Um, and it did. It, I don't think it did it in the most effective way. I think it did it in a very kind of, you know, transparent bludgeon you in the head sort of way, which was probably one of my biggest flaws with the film. Uh, that being said, I, even things we didn't get into, I thought there's a lot of really interesting kind of character uh, beats where, you know, we inverted character expectations between like the two main leads, the two detectives and stuff. Um, but overall, I think, was it a good film? That's questionable. I wouldn't say it was a bad film. I wouldn't say it was a great film. I think it was solid at what it was. But at the same time, I think it was good sci-fi. Uh, I, I do think I can see the legacy uh, and understand the legacy and why it's kind of gone through the ages here. And uh, <sighs> next time you set a timer, Colin, make sure it's silent. Oh. <laughs> what's, good what, sci-fi. Everything was cut what's, out. You what's, fucked that up. What's the point of the... I haven't watched Standalone Complex in over a decade, so... Um, but I've never seen this movie. So I had some experience with the um, world before, but it was really interesting going back and watching the original movie. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I am a fan of anime, so um, I enjoyed the you know cinematic moments and things like that. It's always fun to see how different artists will interpret the world and how it can change and how they change it you know through their style. Um, as for the live action movie, I think you guys would really like it, especially you, Ben. Visually, it's gorgeous. Um, they do a lot of really interesting, very modern, bright, shiny feature things mixed into the dim, dark future. So cool. I thought that was cool. Um, yeah. And I just I thought, I just thought it was interesting how they took something like her sexuality, which, you know, was very marketable for the movie, and they... I thought they did some. They did uh, kind of use it as a uh, window into her struggle for humanity. In a way, she was she was very <laughs> she she was not modest at all. You know, she was naked for half the movie, and Bata was like covering her up at points, but she never really was worried about that. Uh, which I thought was interesting. Interesting use of that for the sake of you know questioning whether she is actually human or not thank a you reminder Mark. to our panel to please respect the one minute no no I I, no, yeah, no, no no there's there's gotta no, be a better no. way to do it because no there is as fuck if that's how we end no no there won't there, there won't be we're holding up shit and doing violence i just didn't get to touch on that earlier and i wanted to come back to it i try to do it quickly i just want to say thank you mark for bringing that up that's another point that i wanted to throw into there but uh we were kind of pressed for time tonight honestly gender and sexuality were two big things that I want to touch upon. I don't think we did a good enough job of that tonight, but hey, it's okay. It's a big it's a big cast tonight, so Thanks. she was naked sometimes. Anime titties. Yeah. But we have to look <laughs> at how her counterpart was reacting to her nakiness. Thank you, Mark. I think for me uh, this movie if I had to have my own what do you call it? Litmus, lit, ah, litmus test? Jarvis test. Jarvis test. My own Jarvis test. This actually does tick the right boxes. This is a pass for me. Um, I think it was great sci-fi. Um, I find myself, for some reason, as I'm getting older, liking cyberpunk more and more. I do think it's really cool to not only explore what it means to be human, but what it means to be human in the future. In terms of looking at, like, I guess you could say transhumanism, like we're still going to evolve but we're going to do it ourselves with technology and that's what i'm kind of i think that's really fun to watch so i will say great sci-fi andrew um i don't quite subscribe to the bill jarvis test i do love it um for what it is but it's just not i I can't scrutinize myself that much scientifically proven Mm -hmm, go ahead mm -hmm. (laughs) Science um, fictionally. Fi- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't interrupt him during his yeah. Yeah, dude, trade, tra- Trademark that, please, Ben. Yeah. Uh, but I, um, so as such, I really thought this was great sci-fi. Um, the movie itself might not be as strong as other sort of entries in this sort of 
sci-fi anime genre, but I still liked it and I still had fun. So good movie, great sci-fi. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I that's don't. That's all we got time for. No. <laughs> Bill, that's, that's yeah, fair. That's fair. Um, so I don't think it was a great movie. I thought it brought up a lot of questions, like everybody was saying. Thought it was very interesting to think about existence in the way that a in a cyberpunk sort of way, which I think a lot of cyberpunk does. But I thought that was interesting. Lots of anime titties. Awesome, 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 awesome action scenes, and I love the animation. It was a very 90s movie. Thank you very much. I want to thank the Academy. I want to thank my wife. She's been supporting me. She's my rock. Emily, I love you. We need and, to use an adjective in this. Okay. Magnanimous. I would definitely give it like three bootleg copies of Last of the Mohicans out of five. <laughs> I'm going to find is, five copies of anything else. I'm gonna, I'm going to find a completely trash sci-fi film that makes you ask a lot of questions just so you can say it's good sci-fi. And I'm going to get it on recording. Okay. Sounds good. Do it. All right, gentlemen. That's all we have for tonight. I think overall, we all think this was a good sci-fi. Borderline great sci-fi. Every single one of us, 100%. Yep, 100%. We all fucking love it. Turn off his mic. It's a great movie. It's the perfect... (laughs) No. (laughs) Anyways, uh, thank you all for listening. What are we covering next week? Next week, we are covering Dark City. No. That is... I... um, Wait, am I wrong? No, you're correct. Oh. Uh, I strategically placed Dark City the closest to my birthday because... Jason, this is the film that I think I'm most excited for you guys to see. Cool. So, interesting tidbit. I own a Blu-ray copy in the wrapping <laughs> on my media center. I've never seen it. You're going to see it. Um, so whoever wants to watch How it. long has it yeah. been sitting there? Long time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have tons of those. So, this, was the whole, yep. this was the whole impetus for Miller March Madness. If, if you guys weren't going to let me have the whole month, I was just going to suggest this movie. All right, cool. Great. Did you say impetus? Yes, yeah, impetus. Yeah, impediment. Got well, it. this is great though because I feel like recently here, well, like, don't you impede on me? That's another film, you know, along with these two that we just, you know, our, our anime kind of uh, month here. Like, I've always wanted to see it. In some cases, I own the movie and I've never seen it. So, it'll wait, be really is this cool. anime too? No, no, no Dark oh, City is a live God. action. No, but I'm just saying I always wanted to see Akira and Ghost in the Shell, but I never did. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with Dark City. Like, I literally own the movie and I've never watched it. Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of cool excuse right. to finally knock it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what you can expect next week. Uh, I think the week after that is the finale of our Picard suite, right? Mm, I think we got one more after that. Am I wrong? Um, no, I thought it was Picard because it was. I no, asked. we got Dark City and Quiet Place Part Two. And that's then right. That's right. Okay. All right. Girl. So yeah, you're gonna get something a little bit more contemporary with <clears throat> a Quiet Place Part Two, Ben. Hmm. What can people do on Sunday evenings? Oh, uh, if you like fantasy, uh, you can watch uh, Once Upon a Tavern every Sunday is at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time on twitch.tv slash onceuponatavern underscores between the words. Uh, I'm, I didn't get to the r- really fun part last Sunday, so the really fun part is definitely coming this Sunday. So, so and yeah. All right. I got a plug this week. So, not, let's see, when is this cast going to come out? So, March 21st, which is probably a week from when you're listening to this, roughly, um, playing with my friends in the band Wraith, kind of like a oh, nice. punky thrash metal band. We're actually opening up for a legendary thrash metal band called Violence, who reformed and is doing a tour. Uh, it's probably going to sell out at Reggie's Rock Club. There's like 30 tickets left, so... Get one if you're into that thing. Probably going to be a good time. You said the 21st? The 21st of March. It's a Saturday. Not I'll next Saturday, but the following. What, what time is the show? I'm down. I think it's like uh, like 7 o'clock or well, something. Well, I'll be like in the that, city, so I might just stick around. And we'll get tickets now. Jump on in. It will okay. probably be the first show I can ever say I've been on or been playing that's going to sell out. And you guys have been to Reggie, so it's going to be a yep. wild time. Yep. It's a mosh pit band, so it should be a good time. Cool. All right. All right, folks, thank you for listening, and we will get back to you next week. Until next time.
Well, if I tried watching this in a vacuum, it would probably sound like... Yeah. For the record, Bill hasn't even had any Sprites this evening. Not one. Not one Sprite. Not one Sprite. He drank that? He drank this. Oh, that's why. He's out of control. That's he why. He drank, he drank a hard seltzer. <laughs> Becky is got, out, bitches. He's got tons of knee slappers. Becky's here to talk about transhumanism. We almost Let's gave go. him a wine cooler, but glad we pulled back on that one. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Bruce Willis dug it back. Uh, <laughs> a disaster. All right. Well, 